Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where tonight we'll continue our conversation about observing the craft with Chapter 3, Dealing with Distractions. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Welcome back to the Working Tools Podcast. Where tonight we have uh, three of our regular hosts. I'm joined with Worship Brother Steve Chung from Prince Charles Lodge, number 153, and Worship Brother Jared Dunham, Penticton Lodge, number 147, and I'm David Colbeth from King Solomon Lodge, number 60. And uh, of course, we're missing our one of our favorites. <laughs> Although these are the, my two other favorites, I guess. I don't know. Can you have more than one favorite? I don't know. Uh, Matt is uh, traveling with his family and not able to join us. But uh, we're going to try and tackle this chapter here. It's it's a little bit of a beast. It you know it talks about the distractions that we can find, and more specifically, organizational distractions. And so, you know what what is Masonic? What organizations are Masonic? If you want to be observant, Jared's got a smirk on his face. <laughs> But Steve said he's got a lot of dog-eared pages and a lot of notes, and so I'm going to just toss it in your corner, Steve, and let's have it. What do you get? What do you well, got? Well, you know, the dealing with distractions was an. I found it to be uh, an interesting title for the chapter um, because it was looking at all the concordant bodies. I mean, it starts with you know asking the questions and and you know it, it makes different comments and it really made me think. This chapter was. Uh, um, it was a thinker for me because a lot of what, you know, he makes reference to in, in this, I mean, I mean, it makes sense about uh, what he's saying. I think with the um, concordant bodies, not being Freemasonry, but I, I don't know if it's really a distraction from him, but I mean, like uh, a couple of pages in, he says, as pointed out earlier in the entire community, of commonly considered to be Masonic uh, will affirm that there is nothing higher than craft degrees. Uh, if therefore the craft degrees constitute the whole of Freemasonry and we have everything we need within that institution, why is it then that other institutions claim an association to it uh, have become so important in the eyes of some Masons? Right. And, uh, you know, there's other parts where he refers to, um, Masons starting other organizations, Masons, um, and uh, what do they call those uh, specialty lodges of uh, where the affinity uh, affinity lodges, affinity lodges, right? You know, uh, where if you you know follow this sports team, or if you follow this sport, or if you're a police officer, you're, or yeah, a police public officer. person, or something, yeah, right. The and cigar smoker, yeah, <laughs> motorcycle <laughs> rider. Then you know. <laughs> By doing that, they are being exclusive, which it goes totally against what Freemasonry preaches, right? So are those even Masonic, right? Um, because, yeah, no, that you're going to be exclusive. If I didn't have a, uh, you know, like 
at one point in, in, in on the lower mainland uh, years and years ago, um, I had thought about joining a lodge and I was told if I didn't have a business, I couldn't consider joining this particular lodge. I had to be a, a business owner to, to belong to that lodge. And, and that to me put me off, which was because that was exclusive, excluding, um, you know, a man, right. But we're supposed to be inclusive, you know, um, so, you know, throughout this, it, it points out several of these things that made me go, hmm, right? Because all these concordant or appendant bodies um, are somewhat in con contradiction of the tenets of Freemasonry. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about Affinity Lodge being somewhat exclusive. You know, I know it's very popular in California uh, and, mm -hmm. and in Europe, of course. There, there are lots of affinity lodges. But well, well, if you want to take it another step further, I know there's lodges that limit their membership to a certain number. Are they then exclusive? I, I guess they uh, might be. There's a little well, nodding happening for those that aren't watching. But <laughs> but I, I, but see, that's that's limiting to a number. That's not. I don't think that that's being exclusive. I mean, you could. Maybe the, the capacity of their building, or maybe, you know, there's some other reasons that they're limiting the numbers. I mean, I, I heard back in the day that, you know, the, the, you know, lodges would grow to a certain size and they couldn't handle any more members. So they split and became two lodges or other lodges were formed from some of those memberships because, you know, you'd go into a lodge and you'd want to go up through the line officers and, and, and become a worshipful master. You know, it took years and years and years and, and you might not even then get it because there were so many guys that could put their name forth for, um, junior, uh, or one of the warden chairs. Right. And, um, and you know, they actually had, you know, more than one guy running for a, an office. Hmm. That, that seems like a strange concept nowadays, but, um, you know, so I could see why they would limit the number to their, to their lodge if they couldn't foresee anybody being able to join and progress, you know, before they, you know, age out and can't do the memory work anymore or can't, you know, participate that much. Right. So, uh, your thoughts on that, Jared? Well, I don't remember reading about affinity lodges. I just remember reading about the appendant and concordant bodies in this chapter where that he's talking about being distractions. Mm, yeah, no, near the end there, he did. That's where he, he mentioned to, he, he mentioned the idea of it, but I don't remember exactly where it was either. But it was it wasn't yeah. it was brushed. It wasn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I think his big I think his big I think the point he's trying to make is that all the appendant bodies have. Are, are pulling people's focus away from the symbolic lodge and that's not that an observant mason to that would be anathema to an <clears throat> observant mason what, what about other I, he alludes just a little bit in the beginning that any distraction but of course the whole chapter is focused on what may be called masonic specific or masonic related right organizations always going to be distractions outside right. of Freemasonry from doing things in lodge. I mean, mm -hmm. our lives are full. We do other things. I think what he's talking about is adding unnecessary Masonic distractions to your Masonic life. So yeah, I, 
So if you, so he talks about, uh, you know, not having a social organization, but he mentions, I think he mentions in their Lions Club and a couple other things. So a rotary. So if rather than, rather than bringing those into your Masonic family, if like I, I'm members of Lions Club, so if I'm distracted from the purpose of Masonry through because of Lions Club, isn't it just I mean, could, couldn't shouldn't I? Isn't it okay that I bring that into Masonry to try and stay focused on Masonry? No. But when you say bring it in, what do you mean? You've, they're separate entities. Well, what the the purpose the the function of that organization is philanthropy. Is. I know, but that that's the, that organization. Sorry. That organization has its function and Freemasonry has its function and trying to merge the two together is what's causing the distraction from actually focusing on Freemasonry's free mace. I cannot talk today. Freemasonry's <laughs> objective. It's all the heat. Right. Which does lead to another interesting thing, which, you know, as I went through this and I was pondering, you know, these distractions, I'm like, I have been a member since 1999 and since being raised as a master Mason, um, I can't really recall much of, um, our lodge going into and, and investigating or, 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 um, looking at the lessons taught in those first three degrees. Right. Uh, we don't talk about it. We don't, uh, there's no education on it. There's, there's no, you know, you got your three degrees, you're done, you know, um, and there's no more focus on those lessons, um, which I, which I now wonder, I mean, of course, because, you know, to be observant in, in the craft, now you're, you're analyzing those three degrees, not, you know, the Scottish Rite or the York Rite or anything else, right? Which is naturally, once you become a Master Mason, they're all out there looking for you to get you to join their uh, their body, right? Um, so it, it makes me wonder, well, why aren't we um, investigating the, the lessons taught? Why aren't we reviewing the degrees, right? And then, of course, I did this brilliant thing. I opened up a file folder that I got from Grand Lodge in 2012, right? and and it was the mentorship program. And you know, wouldn't you know it? In that folder, they had things like papers and 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 things to talk about for that level of of degree. And uh, I'm like, man, there's a whole whack of education in here that has never been touched on in the years that I I can recall. Uh, and so why hasn't why doesn't the lodge do that? Why doesn't any lodge do that? And, or is that what's being referred to as an observant lodge is doing that in particular? And then that made me think, well, if that's what's being an observant lodge and nobody's doing it, what the heck? And things that make you go, hmm. Well, thanks for watching everybody. <laughs> that's, that's basically <laughs> right. That's, that's the kind of the basis of the book and basis of the chapter. And so, wh why are we, why aren't lodges doing that? Why aren't we as masons doing that? Which is frustrating for me because I think we should be. Uh, I mean, you know, in in what I'm seeing, reading, and learning, I think we should be. You know, talking about those degrees and the lessons therein, 
And I'm wondering why it hasn't happened. I mean, now, of course, being the district education officer, I think I'm going to have a little impact on that now in, in my district um, because I've got a plan to have our every district, every education, every lodge education, director of education for each lodge in my district. I'm going to get together and have a meeting and talk about the different things that, for educational purposes, right? And open their eyes to the folder that I opened, right? And, and remind them, of course, that, you know, you have to um, be degree appropriate uh, when you're delivering education in, in uh, uh, where somebody from a lesser degree could be in the room, right? Um, but, and, and, I, and I think I'm going to, and I'm going to suggest to them that we do that. We, we investigate this work and we delve into that a bit for our, the education in our district and see how it's received. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going to try to do because uh, um, they're always asking for good content. Um, and I can't think of any better content than what I found. If I may quote the book. The observant Mason is that man who is not only seeking that light, but when he has found it, does not continually need others to tell him what to do with it. In fact, he understands that he has a duty to learn that skill himself. The transformation with which he is confronted at the end of the Master Mason degree sends him on his way to do so, and if Freemasonry is to be any kind of living entity in search of human progress, that work must be done in the locus where all of the craft was intended to be worked in, the symbolic lodge with other craftsmen. So he's saying that it's not just one person in the lodge's job to do it. True. Right, but does everybody get to that same level of not only interest at the same? I mean, I don't think you magically are truly transformed at the end of the Master Mason degree and say, oh, suddenly now I know that my path of enlightenment. I mean, I've been a Mason 16 years, 15 years, and I think I'm just kind of because of what our focus has been, we're just now starting to get into the, right. the research and understanding, just like Steve is kind of, you know, transforming himself as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I did, that didn't happen to me 15 years ago after I got my Mason master Mason degree. I mean, I wasn't all magically all of a sudden ready to well, he's not talking about all, just all of a sudden, but the, the trend without going too much into the, into the ritual, the transformation that occurs to you in the rich during the degree. Yeah. Supposed to spark your interest to learn. Supposed more. to. Supposed to. Yeah. I know it did with me. I've, I've been, I've constantly read about things. Right. I think different people are at different stages, right? Just, yeah. But I think, but part partially, I think, I, I think partially we're deviating from what the actual chapter is talking about because he spends most of the chapter going over the appendant and concordant bodies and making his argument as to why they're distractions. True. And, and every one of them refers to the philosophical conflict. Um, and so, you know, and so going back to that good way to segue back into that with the first one he talks about is the Knights Templar and uh, it was on page 26 um, <clears throat> it, refers, uh, it reads these questions illustrate the first philosophical conflict with the craft i.e. the unwillingness of some brethren to understand or embrace the Masonic principle and universality in faith 
And um, when he's talking about the um, Knights Templar in perfect, uh, in particular, um, you know, so it might, you know, it might sound like a loaded question, but the fact of the matter is, the question has already been very clearly answered by both Templars and Masons for two centuries, uh, where it's been con- uh, it's been conveniently forgotten when it's suggested as it has been by some in recent generations, that the Knights Templar is an organization that somehow sits at the top of the Masonic ladder under which the rest of Masonry resides in an implied state of unfinishedness. And, and you know, that's, that's actually a common theme I, I found uh, in referring to the other organizations, like even when he talks about the shrine and, and such. That's that, that, right. Yeah, and, and especially with the York right. Uh, and um I, yeah, that, what drives me crazy is the guys in york right especially royal arch in my area they always th- their marketing pitch is if you <clears> really <throat> want to know you'll, you'll join the royal arch or, or, you know, and i think why aren't they teaching if if they really want us to know why don't they teach it to us in the blue lodge it is taught in the blue lodge Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, or give us some nugget of knowledge that wants that drives us to to learn more. Okay. But okay, we okay. Let's be honest. Almost all of these appendant concordant bodies started because someone wanted to have something more than everyone else in lodge. I mean, the Scottish Rite started as a degree factory. You mm-hmm. know, give me fifty bucks, I'll make you a thirteenth degree. Give me another fifty bucks, I'll make you a sixty. Like so, and. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, I mean, as it's written right now, it is the product of one person. Right. So, you know, that that has... Have you seen the first three degrees of Scottish Rite? I have not. I haven't seen any of the degrees of the Scottish Rite. Okay, okay. Remember, I don't belong. I forgot that. Yeah. I've never read... And that could be a bias that was passed down to me from my father, who never belonged either to anything more than the Blue Lodge. And when I joined the Scottish Rite, I started at the fourth degree. Well, they always do. They don't yeah. do that. They never do the first three right. degrees. And that's right. what he, he complains about that in the, in this chapter is that, you know, the Scottish right could sit on itself on its own as its own organization. If they would just do the first three degrees. And yeah, just it does go. in many parts of the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, um, I said, there's I, 10, 10 lodges in the U S supposedly. I don't know if it's still yeah, in Louisiana. Right. I think it's Louisiana that, where they do the three, the three degrees from the Scottish French. right, because that's where it started. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. In the States. And there, yeah, Louisiana, a lot, there's a lot of French people. You know, but I mean, all the appendant bodies started either through guilt or wanting to have something more. Well, come <laughs> on. I mean, the Eastern stars, because guys felt bad with not having their wives to do something with. Well, and I'm going yeah. to get some heat mail after this one. Maybe this is why people start, maybe this is why after three and a half minutes, that, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see... I see the reference that that he's making to the to it, but I, I still don't see it. Um, I mean, in fairness, to call these a distraction, anything else in life other than Freemasonry is also a distraction. I know, but the problem is, is that there is a there's a preference paid to the appendant and concordant bodies that, if you were to go to lodge and have a bunch like Dave. Are, I'm, I'm, are you? You're not the only lion in your club. Are you, lion in your club? Are you the only? Because you're a, you're a lion, Rotarian yeah. lion. Yeah, right, yeah. lion. Yeah. Is that, is that is that how you refer to each other? Is we're lions? Yeah. Okay. So, lion, yeah. It, are there any other lions in your in your lodge that are like 
Do you have there other, other Lions members? I know in there your are lodge? other there. I know of other Masons and other Lions clubs locally. Yes, like because the problem is you never you never go to lodge and say, "Oh, we want to do something on a day," and hear a bunch of guys go, "Oh, we have a Lions meeting that day." Right. But right. more often than not, you will hear, "Oh, that we have a, we have a shrine meeting or we have a Scottish," and that's what he means by distractions: is that we're we're given pre not preference, but because these are oh, here come the air quotes Masonic organizations. People feel that it's that missing, not giving their time to. They feel like they're they're still being Masonic by even though they're not by going by putting uh, precedent to the other organizations when in fact they're not being Masonic. Right, giving time. It's like it's like I, I don't go to it, it, when sorry. Giving time and effort away from the Blue Lodge, yeah. Yeah, because it's like it, it would be like me when I go to the lodge and say, you know, well, I've got an I've, I've got an SCA thing, like you know, and expecting everyone to go, oh yeah, well we understand, well that's fine, you're being a good Mason by going to your going and dressing in funny clothes and hitting people with swords, and I think that that's the point he's trying to make here is that they're a distraction from the lodge because people feel that they're still being Masonic outside of the Blue Lodge when they're not when they're not. Because and my takeaway is that he feels that although they, these organizations do have merit, they are not Freemasonry. And he makes his points as to why each one of them, for some reason, violates a tenet of Freemasonry, which makes it unmasonic. Ooh, there's that word. Well, yeah. and also to kind of tie it back to what we we're talking about earlier, the, the ununiversal, yes, yeah. universality of Masonry. So maybe, uh, maybe this is a little bit of segue. We could uh, break here and come back on our next segment and talk a little bit more about the universality of the organizations and the, the, the separation it causes between like you're kind of yeah. talking the conflicts that it causes. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the work of tools podcast and we'll join us next week. We'll continue this conversation on observing the craft. Thank you. Have a great night. <laughs>